why are we having support groups, man? Like, why aren't we, like, as we clearly see, a lot of men, both pastors, youth pastors, mm. congregation members, like, mm. we all struggle with this. Why aren't we having support group for these things? Dude, like, it doesn't make idea. sense to me. You mean like double A right? like, like, like double A meetings, like, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, why are we talking about this thing? Like, why aren't we discussing it? Like, why isn't there sermons and stuff? Like, mm. I know it's shame. I know it's guilt. Mm-hmm. I know it's that, but we should be able to open safe space for confession mm-hmm. and just having a, creating a safe mm-hmm. environment for that. Right. Like we don't like, honestly, sometimes I'm scared because I'm sometimes scared of what other Christians might say and rebuke me and like, be like, you know, like they'll be uh, condemning of mm-hmm. me. Then that draws me away, yeah. you know? So we need to create safe space within our church to talk about this and confess and building programs, Sent around addressing and tackling this issue, right? Like, we as a church need to be like, how do we defeat this? How can we as a congregation help our congregants yes. defeat this? And how can we tackle it together? Welcome back to the Glorify Him podcast. By the Holy Spirit's leading, we're covering challenging topics often left unaddressed by the church while balancing grace, truth, and love for all people. We're your co-hosts, Cricket. I'm Seth. I'm Kiefer. And I'm Ethan. This episode's sponsor is Gadget Guys. They're a father-son duo coming into Oshawa, and they sell cool accessories for electronic devices. Their uh, Facebook link is down in the description below. With that being said, I'm going to open us up in prayer today before we get started. Our Lord and our God, we come before you, and we just give you thanks and praise, Lord God, that today you've given us another opportunity to uh, move forward in faith with you and to honor and glorify you by doing this podcast, Lord, that you bless us with um, for your kingdom, for your service, Lord, for your honor and glory. And I praise you that you brought us all together today, and I just pray that as we sit down, my Lord, to talk about a very incredibly important topic, Lord God, that you place in all of our hearts, that... um is in need, Lord, of covering, and I, and I thank you that uh, you see that need and you provide. I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through us, Holy Spirit, that our words would be not ours, but yours. I pray that you would lead us, Lord, and lead those who are watching too closer to you. And I pray, Lord, that um, you would touch the hearts and lives of people who are listening, my Lord, and show them there is hope and victory and power in you, Lord God, to destroy any stronghold, including pornography and lust. And I just pray that in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. All right, so welcome back. Last week we covered mental health and mental illness. What an amazing episode that was. We all were able to open up and share transparently with all our viewers. We hope it was encouraging, edifying, uplifting, and we hope we brought some clarity regarding that topic. But today we got another huge one on our hands, uh, a very sensitive one on our hands, a very personal one again to us. And we're going to be talking about the poison of pornography and lust. And I think I'm going to pass it over to Seth because, you know, he has a very, very personal testimony regarding this and he's going to open us up today. Before I pour into my testimony here, I want to give a little bit of an opening here about porn and culture, right? Um, It's no secret how this world views women. I want to say that first and foremost, right? Um, As objects, our culture does perpetuate that. It's not a joke or conspiracy theory. You know, Western culture is sex dominated and it can and does affect the minds and desires of people, especially men. Um, mm. It can make men lustful, of course. It can make them feel entitled, make them manipulative. It can make them heartless and cold towards women, uh, you know, numb while looking at them, you know, treating them like an accomplishment, you know, with a body count or for street cred or like meat. Um, it makes them view women very perversely and, um, you know, speak about them, whether privately or to their face with pride and contempt. And, 
you know, if you're a girl and you, and you worked at a gym before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, honestly, bro, I, I, I'm going to say something controversial. And, uh, you know, that's always good. Already? <laughs> already. Uh, already I really, just I, the I, beginning. <laughs> already. Uh, I really I really think this culture can inspire rape. Mm. And mm. no cap, I used to be one of these, one of the, before I came to faith, I used to be one of those guys who was like, there's no such thing as rape culture. It's just extreme feminists trying to blame men for everything. But now the God's throwing the lights for me. And, um, you know, I, I look, I'm looking around at the world around me. Um, I'm like, no, uh, they're, they're onto something here because, you know, before I came to faith, I was the kind of guy who was like, oh, well, you know, I don't view women like that. It's not all men, which is also cap, um, that it, that it, I didn't view them. I did, I did, but honestly, now I'm like, bro, you don't get a medal for doing what God has made you to do. You're supposed to view women righteously the way he does. I'm not getting a, a freaking pat on the back from God for doing things he's calling me to do. Um, but what I what I want to open up this by saying is that my point here is the world has destroyed the image of sanctity of sex between a man and a woman within a godly marriage through porn. I think they destroyed it specifically through porn. Porn has contributed to all those toxic mentalities men develop and carry and sin in, and it's had a major hand in contributing to the way sex is viewed and by how women are viewed. And the way, whether you admit it or not, that is what it is. Whether you admit your personal views of women and and and, and their bodies are formed by porn and culture. It is what it is. You know, whether, you know, you think I'm a simp for putting accountability up on men, it is what it is. Um, and what's crazy is porn is one of the biggest problems in the world and has been ever since the internet and personal devices came along. It's definitely the biggest influencer on sex culture. Um, and most men and still a lot of women view it frequently or are addicted to it. And it's potentially the least talked about issue in the church. It's a silent taboo. and. That's crazy when you think about it. I'm watching Focus on the Family, and they're saying that 70% of men in the church silent, silently struggle with porn, and 30% of women, which is absolutely insane. It obviously leans more towards men, but 30% of women, if you're thinking with the entire Western churches, that's a lot of freaking people, right? That's not a small amount of people. But today, you know, nobody talks about it, but damn it, we're going to talk about it today. That's what we're here to do. So I, I'm going to open then with my testimony so i can't share my entire testimony um here but i definitely want to upload it to you know our youtube soon god willing so that anybody who's battling or you know um can um put their hope and faith and trust in god more seeing the victory he's won in my life but what i'll say is that i was i was addicted to porn severely for two years one year out of faith one year in faith back to back you know 2019 is when i became addicted and i was watching porn maybe between six or ten times a day and just, you know it was insane looking back right now it was ridiculous and um you know then uh, i came to faith on uh, march 2020 and i was still falling short to god's glory until january uh january 4th 2021 i've been god gave me victory that day and i've been free and clean of pornography and masturbation um since then so praise the almighty for that that's um he did that for me and um you know what i can say is that um it God is long-suffering and patient. Praise him for that, um, to lead us and guide us through this battle. He's all-powerful to give you the victory in the battle. Um, but you need to be in his word and on your knees, faithful to him, to know exactly how he wants you to fight it. Fight it and that's going to be through fleeing. You know, we look at this verse, um, 1 Corinthians six eighteen: Flee sexual immorality. Every other, uh, every other sin that a person commits is outside the body, but a sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Um, so this is a really serious sin that God does put in a, you know, almost in a category of its own. And um, the only way to defeat this sin is not by trying to will it away, 
not by you know doing things in your own strength, but by fleeing. Um, and um, you know, you need to, you know, what I can say in this shorter period of time is, you need to understand a couple things. Uh, one, that you're not powerful enough. Men are weak in this area. So are women as well, but majority men are weak in this area, and we don't have the strength or the mental capacity to, you know, do this without God. We need to flee. Um, and I literally mean that physically, flee out of the situation that tempts you. You need to know what that situation is. Okay, when do I get tempted? Where do I get tempted? What is it that tempts me? And you need to flee from whatever that is and make provision against it in advance. Not in the moment, you know, but in advance. And the other thing I would say is that, uh, you know, the verse I think that, you know, I will say quickly is how God granted me victory. Um, again, through the fleeing thing. But I honestly was just, you know, wrestling and struggling with this thing and not doing it willfully, but falling short of his glory continuously, you know, from March till uh, January, 2021. And I, I, every time I repented, I mean, you know, praise the Lord, you know, mourning grief, mourning grief from sexual sin is completely different from other grief. It's just the worst grief ever. You know, I would make provision against it, but I knew for a long time since actually April or March of, of 2020, that it's the fleeing that I needed to do. But um, I just wouldn't do it um, the way that God commanded me to, because that's the most inconvenient thing. You know, when I'm doing an assignment to do the next, you know, the next morning, I'm scrambling to get it done, and I'm getting tempted to watch porn on my computer while I'm doing my essay. Then I'm like, oh man, I need to get this done, and then I fall, then I sin because I'm not willing to do what God wants me to do in order to have victory. And you need to ask yourself, and like I did myself, and help so much. God, are you are you worthy that I would be minorly inconvenienced? You know, what's worse, having the assignment in late or sinning against you? Definitely saying against you any day of the week in any circumstance. That's much worse. Um, and um, I say this now, but unfortunately, I kept, you know, refusing to just fight God, uh, fight you know, the sin and kill it the way that God had commanded me to, which is fleeing. And you know, come January, the way God actually gave me victory is He took His intimacy away with from me. And if anybody knows me, that's the thing I value most in life is my intimate personal relationship with God. Like we all should, every born again believer should. And that is like hell on earth because if anybody you know knows from scripture what hell is it's a separation from god so that is the worst possible thing that could happen to you and you know having him take his intimacy away from you not that he's he's not there anymore but taking his intimacy away from you um where you cannot no longer feel his presence that is the worst thing ever that is nothing worse in life that could happen besides that um because i mean what is worse than that nothing and um it's the fear he instilled in me um, from that that ended up, I never went back. And, and it was, uh, that was torment and suffering though, that, that those, you know, maybe four months from January to April, I couldn't feel his presence. It was, it was tormentful. It really was. So it was suffering like no other to not feel him closely. Praise God. He restored it back to me. Um, but, um, you know, that, that is what ultimately God granted me victory through was through that fear, that fear ever losing intimacy with it again has, has made it so that I, nine months later, I've never gone back because every single time I get tempted, I'm like, ha ha, I'm not losing that. <laughs> never again. I know what it's like to lose the intimacy with him and to have that suffering uh, of not feeling him closely. And I never want to do that ever again. I mean, like it says, you taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you taste and see, you can never go back and, you know, um, praise the Lord for that victory. And we're going to hit all the angles today about, about, um, you know, this, this horrific, um, thing that, um, is a poison in, in this world. Praise God, Seth. Thank you for sharing your testimony. Very strong one. And I want to just not reiterate, but push forward a couple of the points you made. Uh, first I'd quickly say that anyone struggling with it, mm -hmm. it's okay. 
God doesn't bring forth condemnation. Mm-hmm. He brings forth conviction and correction. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between those words. Um, so just don't worry, but also prayerfully take it to the Lord seriously. And don't let those habits take hold of you. Don't give Satan a foothold that becomes a stronghold. Don't open that door. Work on closing it and only God can truly close it for you. Second thing I'd say is Seth talked about fleeing. And the beauty of God is when he gives an instruction in the Bible, it's 100% substantiated by a character in the Bible. So I'll point you to Genesis 39 where Joseph is tempted by Potiphar's wife. And she says to him multiple times, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. This is not about pornography, but I'm going to take a different angle on lust in general and sexual sin. Okay? So she says, come to bed, come to bed with me. What does he do? Does he stand there and with positive thinking overcome that situation? Oh, I can do this. I can withhold this. I can, no, he uh, well, I, I, goes I, away, no? Yeah. I, he I, runs I, away, I can basically. Stay, I can stay right here and with positive thinking, I'll overcome this. Or does he just head for the door he, and he runs? Yeah, <laughs> he does. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, he flees. He doesn't walk though. He runs. It literally yeah. says he runs, and that's exactly what we're instructed to do when it comes to sexual sin and the temptation of it, is to yeah. flee completely. Yeah. Um, and Ethan will. I know Ethan's gonna talk about the heart posture we have and, and such when it comes to lust. But I wanted to say that. Second, I'm gonna go into, or maybe third, I should say. Um, I want to open up First Thessalonians four and start, start reading from verse three. Mm. And it's essentially to understand that God's call to all people, all people everywhere, but God's call to every single person is when you do enter a relationship with him, is a call to holiness, a call to be set apart, and a call to understand what that really means. And let me start reading so you can get a better picture of that. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For Mm -hmm. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So let me work backwards from there, okay? When you enter in a relationship with God, being blessed with the Holy Spirit to dwell in you is a massive thing. It's a massive thing. Because I said, he's going to convict you. He's going to work with you. And he's going to bring you to a place of being sanctified continuously. Season one, I think our favorite word was literally sanctification. Cricket loves that word. Mm -hmm. I know he does. And for me, saying this and, and letting it be known is that there's hope. You know what I mean? And... I struggled with it for a long time as well. Similar to Seth, I lost my intimacy as well. But you know, God hides his face. It doesn't mean he's gone. Mm. And in petitioning the Lord and and surrendering to him, praise God, he enters back into that. He gives you his Holy Spirit again. Or it's not, not that it ever left, but it feels like that from the human perspective, right? And you realize that intimacy with God is everything you ever long for and crave. So understanding, even when you look at Leviticus, even though no one likes that book of the Bible for some reason... (laughs) When you look at Leviticus, God's call is all about holiness. To show that for him to be in our presence, we must be holy as what? He is holy. Mm. And 
we, us four over here, aren't even trying to condemn people or anything like that. I think Seth brought up great facts and great statistics on all this kind of stuff. Definitely, you know, it, it influences how we look at people. But there is redemption in that. Wherever there is sin, because of our God, there is redemption. Yeah. And I just wanted to make that clear because God is so good, so loving, so gracious, so merciful. And He will help you as you flee and work towards that. He will grant you overcoming. He will grant you victory, just as He did Seth, just as He did me. And, and you'll be in a better place for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pause there. I just wanted to take the angle on less than saying, you know, don't let it have hold over you. Also seek God and get into a relationship with him because then you're blessed with the, the spirit of God, literally, that dwells in you to the fullest. And I'll dive into how sexual sin impacts that if you continue in it later. But I'll pass it over to one of the boys. I really appreciate um, what Kiefer and Seth has said so far. I'm going to jump in with a little bit of a shocker. Um, some people might not want to believe me, but I'm just going to be completely honest here. I've actually never watched porn. and um, But I just want to say right away off the bat that for anybody who has watched porn, I don't look at you as any less. And that I'll say right away, the real problem isn't really the porn itself, although it's a problem in itself. The, the deeper problem is the human heart. I have lusted before. Um, you know, I've definitely struggled with masturbation quite a bit throughout my life, different, different periods of my life, um, even pretty recently, to be honest. And um, praise God, I've overcame it recently. But, you know, Jesus himself said, if you've lusted over a woman, um, and also if you've lusted over a man, you've committed adultery in your heart, which is, you know, the idea of cheating on your, your wife or your husband. I, I understand my human heart, my human condition. I understand that this goes, that, that if I was exposed to it as a child, like I know that I also understand that many people um, are exposed to it when they're really young and they don't really have control over that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think the average age, you know, some sources say at the age of 11, you know, that's the average age now possibly when um, kids first view it. And I think, I think, I think basically everybody agrees or, or the most part, you know, from, I would understand that, you know, the children shouldn't be watching this and it really um, can screw people over and getting hit by it so young. But yeah, I just, I just want to put that in there. Like, like yeah, I understand um, if you're struggling with it and, and God has love and compassion for you, but he also wants to set you free from this because it truly is negatively um, affecting us on so many different levels. I will acknowledge too, it's affecting people in different degrees. Everyone's battle with it is different. It could be minor, it could be huge um, addiction. You know, it, it might, it's all over the spectrum, right? Um, it's definitely can create very many negative effects. And there's, there's studies that, sh- there's some studies that have shown that have analyzed multiple, like, you know, like other studies and they can hardly ever find positive correlations. It's almost always no association or it's negative. And I think from people's own personal experiences, they can, you know, feel negative things too. But I just want to get into this, like this, this idea of shame and, um, and guilt. And there, there are some studies, like there's one study I looked at, like just a tiny bit. I, I can't say I did enough research on it, but I think, I think it's a, just an understandable thing that, you know, shame, shame actually can lead you into your sin more. Shame can actually lead you into doing the things you don't want to do more when you try to hide something. Um, those kinds of things that you don't want to talk to other people about, but you know, when you're actually vulnerable and you confess these things and you're open with people and you actually, you know, recognize that the behavior is wrong, but you actually, you know, take the right steps with it, that actually will lead you to overcoming this. And I just want to like throw in that, like God, God's grace is amazing. The same grace that saves us is still there for us to the day we die and into eternity. And and, and that God, and that when you fall into this or into any sin, God still accepts you. You're still his child. 
Um, and this is assuming that you, you know Christ, have a relationship with Christ. You're still his child. You're still an overcomer. That's part of your identity. You are still an overcomer. And what is and, and what is God's grace here for? God's grace isn't here so that we can continue to sin. By no means. God's grace is here so that we can not just, first be forgiven of sins. Then second of all, um, thrive in our identity so we can turn away from the sin. For what reason? So we can have a deeper intimacy, a deeper relationship with Christ and a deeper relationship mm. with every human believer and unbeliever and showing God's love and just having relationships. Anybody who's listening today, if you're struggling with this, do you believe you can overcome this tonight? And I don't say that from a place of like, you know, cause I haven't struggled with this. I say this from a place of the Bible itself, that, that as someone who struggled with lust myself, we all struggle with lust. I'm saying from the Bible itself, um, I'm stealing a verse from Kiefer probably. <laughs> First Corinthians 10, 13 says, <laughs> no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. It's common, right guys? Yeah. But God is faithful. Yes. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. With the temptation, you also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. And, mm -hmm. and, and do you believe that this, the holy living God who created the universe, died on the cross and rose again, has the power to set you free from this today, tonight? Mm -hmm. And I just want to mm -hmm. say that he can set you free, but you have a choice. You have a choice of, are you going to take the right steps to overcome this? Are you going to hide this in the closet or are you going to, you're going to confess this to people? Are you going to confess this to Jesus? Mm. Are you going to take the right practical steps to flee from the environment that's causing this to you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to mm -hmm. seek Jesus out? And do you even have intimacy with God right now? Are you, do you, are you even talking to God at all right now? If you don't have a relationship with God and you know, you're asking for his help, but you don't even have that relationship with him. It's, it's definitely, it's going to make it a lot harder. Right. And, and, and ultimately what's going to satisfy you more than anything else, your relationship with Christ. And, and that's another thing too. We also have to start thinking about why, what, what's causing me to go to this? Is it, or, or, is it my bad relationships right now causing me to go to porn or lustful things? Is it, um, is it, um, addiction, addiction I've been struggling with a lot over time. Is it cause I'm bored? Why am I bored? Is it because, um, stress super stress. high stress levels what is it and we have to bring all these things to christ and you know bring these things to the table i also want to say this mm -hmm. too though although of course i believe you can overcome this tonight if you take the right steps um if you fall which is kind of a paradox in a sense because you can't overcome this tonight if you do fall like i said earlier his grace is there for you and you are still his child and you're still accepted and that's there for you so you can actually overcome this. It could be a gradual process for you, sure. But I do believe you'll overcome this tonight and God's grace and love is there for you. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, you kept on touching upon the grace part, right? And I want to stress upon that is God's grace is sufficient for you to mm -hmm. overcome pornography and defeat pornography. And he does, in fact, give you the way out. Mm -hmm. and he does and it's there right we're called to flee and if if we're not if we're not given the way out how do we defeat sin right like how do we defeat sin if we don't have the way out there's definitely a way out and god will help you do that and I, like i said in the last episode right we need a we need a control like we have to give control over to god surrender it to him and lay it down at his feet mm -hmm. right and let him help us right let him sanctify us to becoming more like him and walking in his footsteps. Yeah. You know what's great? Good job, I'll, I'll say a really quick point here, uh, and then someone else can jump in. But what's 
great about God's grace is that when it comes to sin, he really will equip you like immediately. When, he, when If you want to talk about God's goodness and him blessing you, here we go. He'll bless you with everything you need to overcome perpetual, habitual, willful sin. He will literally yes. help you. That's God's goodness. Correct. Correct. So if you want to talk about something like that, oh yeah, God's 100% a way out, presenting a way out to you. Like all the time. You can literally pray it away, but it's going to take time, obviously. But as Ethan was mm. saying, do you believe God can help you overcome this? Not tomorrow, tonight. And that's the beauty of God's goodness is the answer to this is yes, 100%. So I just wanted to add that because, you know, all this grace talk got me amped. Also, what, like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't he want you to defeat it today? Because isn't sin against what he wants exactly. for your life, right? Yeah, exactly. Isn't sin totally opposite to what God wants, desires? Like, he's going to give you a way out because this is totally against what he wants us to do, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Like, sin is horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to stress that sin is horrible when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, right? Like, that's, that's the fall of mankind. God does not desire that. Yeah. He opposes that. It It's detestable in his eyes, right? Is that what it says? Like, it yeah. is. 100%. Yeah. It's detestable, right? Yes. Yeah, like it, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, I don't think I could give him justice in explaining how sin is bad and how God detests it. Can I say something super yeah. quick? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I know Seth wants to jump in. But it's because Cricket said something that I have to say this right now. Uh, but he, he mentioned the fall, right? And... The thing about the fall is when you look at it now and you truly see that sin has literally stained us in every area of life, what is that? When we look at pornography, right? And we look at lust, when we look at the intent of the heart and we see sin stain that, what do we see? We see that everything now is not only oppositional to God, but it's living outside of God's created order. That's how I see it, right? When, when God says, you know, for example, when a man and woman join, they become one flesh, and it's meant for the covenant covenant of marriage. When you look at pornography, when you look at us watching it and sinning against our own bodies, all this kind of stuff is operating outside of God's created order and what he intended in the first place. To which I'm going to quickly read and pass it over. I'll, I'll stop talking after this, but let me just quickly read it. It is in 1 Corinthians 6, and I know Seth mentioned one verse in there, but let me pull it back a little bit. Um, and I'll start from 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then the famous quote, right? The famous verse we love. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, that price being Jesus' blood. So glorify God in your body. And I just wanted to stress that because he mentioned the fall. Now look at God's created order being completely manipulated and twisted to fit our evil desires of the heart, right? So... I just have to say that real quick. Yeah, and I'm not saying like I'm yes, I'm stressing sin is horrible, right? And I'm not saying God is gonna grant you victory and he's gonna help you through this. Just walk by him. Walk alongside him and he will Jesus defeated death, defeated sin, right? And that's why we living in relationship with Jesus is the most amazing thing you to do and that's the best choice I made in my life. And each Ethan, Seth, Kiefer, they would say the same thing too. Yeah. I want to actually add um, different points to everything you guys covered. You guys covered, what do you cover? You covered shame, sin, God's hate for sin, corruption. Um, and I want, to, well, I want to share from personal experience and testimony of my victory over shame is that 
many people, actually the majority, the reason you know, we talk about 70% of men and 30% of women in the church silently suffering, a lot of them have actually given up their hope of victory in, over porn and are just doing it now, like, oh, whatever, I'm not going to be free from this and just keep doing mm-hmm. it in the background. Um, which I figured out, which is horrific. One, because, like we cricket drove home, that's not true. God wants you to have victory. He's going to give you the victory. You cannot be complacent and accept that. That's You can't do that. And I understand why, and I feel bad. I agree for that because the reason for that is because they don't talk about it in mm-hmm. church, and it's taboo, and there's so mm-hmm. much shame around it. So then, obviously, nobody wants to talk about it. They feel like they can't get help, and then they're just going to be complacent and accept their fate type thing, right? Even though they don't have to do that, and God doesn't want them to do that. That's number one. But I will say this, though, in terms of accountability, because I have you know personal word to share about this accountability. Accountability works to take away sin's power in your life. When it comes to something like lust and porn and masturbation, it's a very shameful thing. Obviously, it's a very private thing. Um, those are things typically you don't talk about on full display in front of everybody. So that's how Satan grips you in its terror and power for, for addiction is because it's so shameful. You can't talk about it. You can't tell anybody because it's embarrassing. So he keeps, that's how he keeps it just internally, um, with you. Um, but when you tell other people, it loses power. When you tell people, if you think about the person, you don't want to tell more than anybody and go tell that person. I guarantee you will put money on it. You will, it will lose so much of its power instantly after you get it off your chest. It's going to be extremely difficult to tell that person. And for me, that person was my mom and my dad, right? Um, and I denied telling them for months. I didn't want to tell them. Why? Because it's embarrassing. And the entire time I didn't want to tell them, I actually got convicted by God for three or four months to tell them. And I was like, and I kept rushing into like, no, that's, that's just between you and me, God. It's just between you and me. Well, where did they get me? Still four months later, I was still battling. And when I told them, they actually didn't help me a ton um in terms of overcoming it god is the one who gave me victory and overcame it but that's one way he in the step process of how he overcame it is in in my life is to give me to tell them so it would lose its shame and secrecy power right and it that did wonders honestly my point in that is to say that you're not putting your faith and confidence under your accountability um like in terms of the people you're telling you need to understand the purpose for that which is to remove some of sin's power in 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 Hmm. your life right Accountability with the right person is important. For example, one person may go to one person and that's not the way they receive accountability, right? And he, they might go to another person, right? And the other person is more direct with them and that's how they need the accountability and mm-hmm. how they need to be received and how they will be able to actually apply and like actually feel convicted, right? And accountability is like that, right? Like someone may feel convicted if someone's telling them directly or they might want him to be a more loving uh, approach or more compassionate, more merciful approach. It depends, honestly. Like finding the right accountability partner is key because it might not work. You might be with one person and you're still like you're still going through it and yeah, like trying to find the right person and having even multiple accountability partners um would be helpful because you don't like one person might work and then the other person mm-hmm. might yeah. not right like just trying to find the right person like that yeah. yeah and what i would say to that too about accountability is if you have the privilege of being able to tell someone in your household do it that's gonna be the hardest person to tell but do it because typically you tell your friend well your friend doesn't live yeah. with you your parents do your siblings do if you want to be if you have the ability to tell somebody like that in your household tell them and like i said i'll I reiterate it again 
Think about the person who you don't want to tell the most and tell that person because I guarantee you it will lose so much of its power. If that person is your grandma, tell her, bro. It's going to be it's going to be hard, it's going to be embarrassing, but Satan makes you think something's going to happen if you tell them. Like, what's going to happen? Mm. What is going to happen? You know what I mean? And that's up to you. That's a word that I'll share just if God wants to do that. But it will, I, I, that's how he keeps you in that power, bro. That's all I'm yeah. saying. But Don't just find someone who's like you think just emanates grace and love. Don't find someone who's just, you think, stern. You should try to find someone who's balanced, to be honest. Because um, honestly, what's going to promote change in your life? It's grace and truth. It's love and truth. And that's who Jesus is. Mm. And that's and He. That's how he promotes change in us. Mm. So I, I just want to say, like, try to find someone who's balanced. No one's perfect. It's perfectly balanced. Sure. But but try to find someone who, like, offers both of those things. Because we need both of those things for change. I want to talk about the battle against lust and sexual sin and adultery and porn and i want to be very frank when i say this battle has claimed people's lives and can if you don't obey god i want to make this very clear uh, we have seen people even in recent news fall to this you see Ravi zacharias you see carl lentz you see the founder of hillsong you see a billion and one people who fall to this sin there's a reason even though scripture makes no such division about seven deadly sins there are such sins which are life destroying Lust is one of those sins. Pride is one of those sins, as an example. You know, things that will actually destroy your entire life if they go unchecked. Lust is definitely that, and porn is definitely that. This is something that will consume and destroy your entire life in every aspect. Mm. It is a poison. That's why we call it that in the episode title. It's toxic. It will infect everything around it and bring you down. It'll affect the way you look at women. It'll affect the way you, your mind and your brain functions on the daily. They've taken scans of people's brains and they've, seen, they've shown, you know, kind of brain, you know, kind of things that happen when they, when, you know, when, when they're addicted to porn. Um, it's going to destroy your relationship with God. It's going to take away your intimacy with him. It's going to consume you if you if you let it, right? And this is why it's so important to fight and kill. And what I would look at is, you know, in terms of the urgency in warfare, as what John Piper calls it, right? It's Matthew 5, 27 to 29, when Jesus is saying, You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery within his heart. So I want to look at the urgency and, 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 the, and the, what do you call it? the urgency and, and, and that he places on this battle that even look at a woman with lust you, you he says you committed adultery as if i've cheated on my wife right 29 and if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away it is better for you to enter the kingdom of god with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell that's really him saying that it's not worth it it's not worth the condemnation and wrath that somebody could absolutely face for continuously living in this thing until death like it's that clear that's why he gives this such extreme parable example, hyperbole, to say that you better cut off your right hand before you, if you think that if that's more worth it than rolling into hell with both my hands because I wasn't willing to what I knew I needed to do, what was necessary to do in order to have victory in God that he wanted to grant me, but I refused to accept his help. This is a call to urgency. Like I said, misplaced sexual desires, not just acts, are, are not small. When I was battling and when i was first coming to faith i realized very quickly i i caught myself maybe two months deep that i was actually looking at women and and internally judging them other bodies and i had to catch myself and be like what's going on because before i knew it because i was still falling short to his glory by watching porn again not willfully just, just continuously sitting and falling it was already affecting my mind it was already poisoning me it was already affecting the way i look at women it was already affecting my relationship with god and God gave me a taste, like we said before my testimony of what it was like to lose intimacy, and Kiefer said that he experienced the same thing. 
that is all like that is a, t- a taste like Lily guy holding her feet over the fire of, of you know what will happen if I if I give myself over to this is like giving myself over to God you need to be on your knees pleading with God every single day for this victory and how you need to do it and when we talk about fleeing praise God for that verse that you know he forgives the example of Joseph perfect example this guy doesn't sit there for even five more seconds to contemplate what he's gonna do and that's so important Joseph sits there for five more seconds looking upon his wife He's going to sleep with her. Literally five seconds, bro. I'm not exaggerating when I say five seconds. You're at your computer. You get tempted to watch porn. You stay there five seconds more contemplating whether, you want, whether or not you want to get up or not. You're done. You're finished. You lost. That's it. Try again tomorrow. It's over. And the, because... and the thing about that, and you know what's crazy about that is it's in your mind, right? And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Yeah. When you're mm-hmm. contemplating that for five seconds... Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's beyond temptation at that point. Mm-hmm. You're yep. lustfully thinking and lustfully keeping this in your head. You made your choice. And that's when, honestly, you take that thought captive. You get off your chair and you head straight for the you door. Whatever door. Run. As many doors as you need to run through. <laughs> Just run. <Yep. laughs> Literally. Right. And when Seth is talking, and honestly, this, this sin and sin in general, right? Um, not for condemnation purposes, but here, conviction purposes. Because Seth has felt this. I think we've all felt this. Uh, but specifically regarding this. We need to be mourned. We need to be grieved. We need to feel it. You don't feel it. You become numb. There's a problem there if you don't feel it. Okay. And the perfect example of crying out to God. And I was telling these guys this the other day is Psalm 51. Literally David crying out to God after he goes into Bathsheba and sins that way. Right. And David, as said, was telling me is still a man after God's own heart. So it's okay if you've fallen, but cry out to the Lord that he may turn his face literally from your transgressions, blot it out. What creating you a clean heart, make you new again, and walk in, as Seth said earlier, walk in that new creation that you are today. But you need to flee and you need to be active because this sin is not a joke. It's, it's honestly not a joke. Passive in this battle, you chewed up and you chewed up and, and spit out, honestly. And, and look what Paul says. He says, let there be tear and mourning and sorrow for what you've done. Mm-hmm. And God grant you repentance. Like, let that be your, the fuel for the fire, the mourning and grief you feel over. Like, literally, like, I think that half this battle is not just shoving the commandments down your throat and being, okay, go, God says don't commit adultery, so it's bad. Understand why he says it's bad. Understand the effect it has why and why it makes him angry. Understand that it's disgusting to look at porn. Why? Because the keeper is saying it destroys the image of sex that God has created. It's, dis- it's per- that, To say the word perversion is so light now. Like, I can't even, it's, it's abhorrent in his sight. That's the kind of thing that incurs his wrath, is that, right? You need to think about it in that context. It's- because that's how serious it is. It's disgusting. And that's exactly how you need to feel when you fall and then you raise up to fight again. If I look at my sister, my sister in Christ, that way, that's disgusting. Why am I looking at my sister that way? That's important. I should want, pray God, let me look at my sisters the way you look at them. Like your daughters. I'm looking at your daughters that way. That's disgusting, right? You know what's crazy? I'm about non-believers. You... Sorry, real, yeah. real quick. What's crazy about what you're saying is so important, especially for Christians. So like, let's perk your ears up and listen for a second is the moment you see that you're looking at a broken... You should be perking up your ears for the whole time. Sorry. Yes, sir. You know, I like yes, that. Yes, sir. Like but uh, whether you're looking at a, a man or woman in the church and, and you have those lustful thoughts towards them, there's a problem there for sure. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a message recently uh, about Mariah, and it's called Christ in Her, because God's delivered me from my lustful thoughts towards women and my objectifying thoughts through all this kind of stuff. Praise God for that, obviously. But now I see the fullness of Mariah literally mm. 
the Christ in her that I, that is so attractive mm -hmm. to me. How she's a fellow image bearer of God. How she is beautiful in his sight. All the great things about her. And if you let perversion infiltrate your mind, you're not going to see any yes. of those things that God wants you to yes. see in, in, in your significant other. Yeah. You're going to see everything that really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. And you, know, and you know, and what's crazy too? When I was still falling short to God's glory, you know, it tormented me. It tormented me that I saw women that way because I, I'm born again. I hold God's Holy Spirit in me, so I know it's wrong. But imagine being in a body then where it's happening, and you, at the, but you're. You're not asking God to take it away from me and praise God that he did. I was actually fearful that I would have to battle this for the rest of my life in the context that, you know, when you watch porn and you're addicted to porn, it actually biologically, chemically affects your brain, mm -hmm. right? For some people permanently. Thank God he can just reach in and tap one thing and fix it and he did for me. But that was a fear of mine in the beginning and what I would actually tack on to Kiefer's point there, people think, and this is very common, oh, well, I battle with porn now, but when I get married, then it'll be okay. Wrong. False. You're going to bring that into your marriage, and then your wife's going to feel like she's inadequate because you're looking at these women on the screen. That's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to ruin your relationship. There's so many testimonies of Christian men who are watching porn in marriage, and their wives find out, and it's a disaster. It's terrible. Okay? Doesn't mean God can't grant you victory in that too, but if you think that it's going to, that, oh, well, then, or this and that, no, you have to flee. And you know what's crazy? For a year, almost a year, I didn't want to flee. You know why? I'm going to be honest here. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient that I got an assignment due tomorrow and I'm rushing, cramming it last minute and now I'm being tempted on my computer to watch porn. Oh man, like God, I want to do this assignment. I'm getting tempted to watch porn. Is God not worth that you'd be minorly, minorly inconvenienced not to sin against him? Like that's the question I would, I always ask to myself and that was actually a way God helped me to flee. It's to assess the situation and be like, okay, God, um, if I am, are you not worth minor inconvenience or is it worth sinning against you? And that's what I would tie to that Matthew verse. It's not worth it. You know, when I, when my, when my pastor was telling me to flee that day, when he shared that word with me, he was saying, it's not worth it. You know what he said to me? Don't squander your inheritance. That's what he said to me. Don't squander the inheritance that God has promised you on this worthless thing. Because looking at just desensitizedly looking at women on a screen who are not your wife or not the woman or the man God has called you to share your life with, to share that gift with is worthless. It has no meaning. It has no value. That's part of why it's so evil and wicked in God's sight. Amen. <laughs> can, can I, um, you said, um, right? Like you said, going into marriage, right? And watching it, right? It's like cheating. It yeah, is cheating, it is. right? It is. Like God, God does say, right? Like you commit adultery in your heart when you lust, right? And it is cheating. Don't be fearful to share. Be fearful to sin. That's what a distinction I want to make. Mm. Don't be fearful to share. Mm. Don't be fearful no, to let, don't let people bear that's your burden. Don't be fearful to bring it to God. <laughs> be fearful. And I mean fearful. Like, honestly, like, I think that at some level, it was okay to be weary of God's wrath during my battle because that's the distinction he makes in Matthew is to be fearful of that, that that, if I don't cut off my hand and do what he asks, could be what happens. Praise him if you're a born-again believer. He will not let you perish. He will convict you, and nobody can deny the, 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 the conviction of his spirit. He will absolutely win the victory in you. He will make you obey him. Praise God. He, he's good enough to do that. And he is long-suffering and patient. My battle was almost for a year when I came to faith. But that battle could have been smaller if I had actually fleed earlier. I knew what I had to do, but I was still... You know, the thing is with, with, with porn, I'm going to make this a point, is that for so long, I was just... You know, you can't will it away. Like we said, with Joseph's example is perfect. Joseph's not sitting there like, you know what? I'm going to sit here and keep mopping the floor, and I'm just not going to look at you. No, he has to run away. 
You can't will it away. We don't have that power. Men are weak. That's our weakness as men. Well, my point in that is that we keep tr- like my battle. I can speak from personally. I think this is what probably what a lot of men do. You you get stubborn and you keep trying to will it away. You keep trying to pray it away, and not that you can't pray it away. You keep trying to do the same thing again and again. Everything other than flee, but you have to run, get the hell out of there, and do that. And the victory is going to come when you choose to obey God and do that. And it, it didn't have to be as long for me. It really didn't. I could have obeyed God sooner and done that. I didn't. Praise him. He's long-suffering and patient. Not everybody had to face the same consequences as me and Kiefer. They didn't have to have their t- intimacy taken away from God and get burned. The worst burn possible. Kiefer, I want you to tell me right now, what is worse that could have to, happen to you in this life besides that? Nothing. Literally Absolutely nothing. not. Nothing. I can get sawed in half like the prophet in the Bible and God's still with me. Bless up. But like David said, I think in one of the Psalms, he says, if you abandon me, I might as well give up and die. He literally said that. Because what else is there to do? I, I want to save, and Kiefer, I know his point is that too, I want to save our brothers and sisters that pain of having your intimacy taken away, even though it was temporary. It felt like eternity, bro. You don't want that. Okay? Obey God. Do what he says. Flee from sin. It's not worth it. Like I said, I like to hit home with the application and how to apply this and how the church can do its job job into implementing all of this, Mm. right? So, like I said, right? Accountability with the right person. That's very important. Mm. And support groups in the churches. Why are we having support groups, man? Like, why aren't we... Like, as we clearly see, a lot of men, both pastors, youth pastors... Mm congregation members like mm. we all struggle with this why aren't we having support group for these things Dude, like it doesn't idea. make sense to me you mean like double a right? like, like, like double a meetings like right exactly yeah. Tri- like triple a or whatever yeah. like uh, alcohol nouns yeah. right? like yeah. exactly like yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Like, why don't we have that for that that's genius it's, like like i said it's an epidemic right so why don't we like alcohol like alcohol is an epidemic too right like um being addicted to alcohol and Bro. Pornography is might be. I think it's, it's the same level. Even more it's like, than it's that. Like, it is like or a, even, it's like a drug. Same it, level. It, or it alters more, your. You know, it's it, crazy. It alters your brain chemistry. It's like the same thing. It's like a drug, yeah. right? And talking about in our churches, right? Like, why are we talking about this sin? Like, why are we discussing it? Like, why isn't there sermons and stuff? Like, mm. I know it's shame. I know it's guilt. Mm-hmm. I know it's that. But we should be able to open. And the next one is this safe space for confession. Mm-hmm. And just having a, creating a safe mm-hmm. environment for that. Right? Like, we don't, like, honestly, sometimes I'm scared because I'm sometimes scared of what other Christians might say and rebuke me and, like, be like, you know, like, they'll be uh, condemning of mm-hmm. me. Then that draws me away you know so we need to create safe space within our church to talk about this and confess and building programs centered around addressing and tackling this issue right like we as a church need to be like how do we defeat this how can we as a congregation help our congregants defeat this and how can we tackle it together and having like like committees for all these things right Mm. and i think it's it's important. I just want to stress on that. Drop the, you know mic. Drop the mic. Drop, Drop the, the mic. mic. Kirky, you're absolutely right. And you know what? It starts with leadership. You need to set an example. Yeah. If you're vulnerable, people will be vulnerable. You don't share anything, nobody else is going to share anything either. That's mm. no matter if you're a Bible study or your church, you know, as Kiefer's dad shared that with me. You know, if I don't share first, who the hell is going to share? Like nobody, mm. right? Yeah. I have to share. Then the person's like, you know what? I'm going to share something. Take the step of faith. You know? Take the step of faith. And I'm going to put that yeah. on, you know, any brother or sister who is who who is overcome that God has overcome came this in their life 
and I say this to myself too, we have a responsibility to boast in God all the time, mm. nonstop about it, not to keep it to yourself. That testimony is not meant for you. It, like just for you, it's meant for everybody so that people can have hope in God and know that. And it starts with you. If you're not gonna be vocal about it, nobody else will be. Okay, Cricket, you know, I loved what you said. That's like something that churches need more of. Um, I think a very small minority of them have that right now, um, if they do, right? And, but I just want to mention like on the idea of accountability, once again, because, you know, that's what Cricket you're talking about, having like these accountability groups. Um, whether you have these groups or, you know, you have, if, if you could find one of some people or if you just have one or two people, you know, personally in your life, I just want to say that like your accountability isn't just about, it should be proactive, right? Like you should be keeping accountable throughout the week and like, how are my thoughts today? Because if we're proactive, and what I mean by that is like, if you have discussions with the person who's keeping you accountable with, how is I thinking today? then that helps you to be like, mm. keep you from slipping into sin at night, right? Or the more you get um, lenient with your thoughts throughout the day, the more you just let it slide, the more likely you're going to sin at night or whenever, what time of the day it is. You know what I mean? Like the more you're just casual in your thinking. So I also just want to say that like, based on what, um, you know, Seth was really talking about, you know, fleeing, right? And I mean, we've all been talking about that, but I can say it's worked for me. And Seth can say it worked for him. Um, I don't know, Kiefer, would you say it's worked for you too? That principle? Yes, hundred percent. Right. And it's that principle of fleeing has worked in different, different points in my life and struggling with like masturbation. Fleeing has worked. And that means two things, fleeing your environment, but you need to be proactive because before you even get, you want you want to be ready to like, not even have to flee the environment at all. You want to be fighting throughout the day and fleeing your mind. And I just want to give a practical way to do that quickly. Um, practically just speaking, um, something you can do is kind of ground yourself in your reality. Right. So you kind of get lost in your thoughts, but maybe, Take a second to, um, what, what, what do you see around you? What do you see around you? Um, like, you know, if you're at the superstore, if you're at home, like maybe it's your computer, maybe it's your, um, your desk, maybe it's your bed, maybe it's the ceiling, maybe it's the trees outside, wherever you are, what do you see around you? What do you hear? Is it like the birds? Is it, I don't know, the rustling of footsteps? Um, what do you smell? Maybe it's some food. Maybe it's just nothing. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whatever it is, like ground yourself. You, you could do this a practical way. And then here's another one. Take your thoughts and think them, put, put, put your thoughts on things above. Maybe, maybe there's a Bible verse you run to. Maybe you just keep fill yourself with that. Maybe you have that one verse you're always going to go to. And you're just going to keep saying that verse to yourself until those thoughts leave you. Um, and, uh, and when thoughts come also too, like imagine like a car, don't, don't like stop. If the, if, if the thought is a car and like the, the temptation thought is a car, don't stop the car, let the car go by you, let it pass you. Right. Sex. And, um, you know, sexual, uh, the idea of like sexual, like pleasure, pleasure. Yes. <laughs> sexual pleasure. And, you know, even visually seeing another person, uh, you know, naked and intimate, that's supposed to be a gift from God in the confines of marriage. And we're actually hurting God because imagine, imagine on Christmas day, you know, somebody gave me a gift. That's actually wonderful, indisputably wonderful, but I take that gift. I burn it up and I throw it away or I take that gift and I like, I just like construe it and wreck it and do whatever I want to do with it. It's going to hurt the person who gave me the gift on two levels because it, it's, it's coming from a place of love and, and it's just a gift, you know, it's kind And on another level that, that like this gift actually is good for me. Like this gift from God is good for me in the right context. And so you're actually hurting God, the creator of sex. Um, on this level that he's giving us this gift and we're taking, we're ruining it. And, and that's, you know, a sense of understanding our intimacy and our relationship with God, you know, like when we fall into this, 
the, the sin, you know, it's like into these sins, it's we're hurting God. And, and, and I, I was thinking about this. How often do I think about God? Like I think about like, you know, if I had a girlfriend or something, or if you have a close friend or my parents, you know, it's like where you don't want to offend them or hurt them. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't want to offend or just hurt them like needlessly or pointlessly. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see mm -hmm. them in pain. I don't want to see them like, I don't want to see them like hurt because of my actions. It should be the same thing with God. And even if I don't always understand why it's wrong in the moment, even if I don't understand like what's the reasoning for why it's good, because sometimes you don't always know why. Like just with Job, he didn't understand what was going on. Do we trust him enough? Do we do we love him enough um, to just trust him and be like, you know what? Like I don't want to hurt you, God. Um, you already got hurt mm -hmm. for me enough on the cross. Why I don't want to hurt you anymore. You already showed your love. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Like it says. Yeah, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Exactly. That's what verse you said, right, Seth? Yeah, don't grieve. Exactly. The Holy we don't yeah. want to grieve the Holy Spirit, and I've been convicted of this recently. Like it's just like, man, like I don't want to just hurt you, God. So I just want to leave us with that too, and but just remember that God's grace and love is so amazing. And but this is a serious problem, though, guys. As we we just started hammering at the end, um, but uh, but we can be set free today, and uh, and just just keep that in mind. <laughs> And really just ask yourself, what am I willing to surrender to God? Am I willing to surrender and submit to him today? And, uh, yeah. All right, guys. Praise God for a wild episode. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, but I hope, once again, I hope it connects with people. hope people can see the heart behind it. Um, I hope we presented scripture um, in, in its light and its true true way and his true message and i hope people can see that and receive it and you know i just want to close this off by reading uh, a quick passage from romans and then i'm going to lead us in prayer okay so for anyone who wants to know romans 6 i know you've heard it but you're going to hear it again what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who died to sin still live in it do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Mm -hmm. Praise God, mm -hmm. guys. Um, I'm just going to close off. Praise God indeed. Yes, sir. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day where us four can gather together again and faithfully serve you lord that is all we ever want to do as we walk through this earth is to serve you and we thank you for this beautiful opportunity and this beautiful gift of a podcast where four brothers in christ can come together dive through your word wrestle with your word and present your word not only to believers lord but to those who are not in the christian faith as well that they may see the light that they may see the knowledge and come to the knowledge of the truth lord in you uh, Lord, we thank you for your abundant grace, uh, but Lord, we also pray that we don't take your grace for granted and that we don't take you for granted, Lord. We pray that we understand the severity of sexual sin and lust, as that is what we covered today. And we pray, Lord, that, you know, obviously we pray that you don't turn your face from us, but Lord, we pray we don't turn our faces from you by doing and, and acting in this sin. Um, Lord, I pray that you equip us as believers to be sober-minded, to be vigilant, to be constantly aware of temptation and sin. And we thank you, Lord, because with your grace, as we explore today, there's always a way of escape in every circumstance. And Lord, I pray that you guide us towards that way of escape and help us not fall, Lord. And I thank you so much that we're able to explore this and be vulnerable with each other and transparent with each other. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Glorifying Podcast. This was Poison of Pornography. Follow us on Instagram at Glorify Him Podcast. Check us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts at Glorify Him. All links in the description. See you guys next week. Grace and peace to you all. <laughs>